0: as we 've gone through a series entitled "Book Chapter Verse," I was not expecting that when we got to this Sunday that we are just slicing in between the Old Testament and the New Testament and so we got into this season and it was just wonderful to see how it fell and so now, as we move into the new year we 're going to be opening up the uh, we 're going to be opening up the New Testament together um, We had an opportunity to speak briefly uh, in the course of the last week about that space between the Old Testament and the New Testament, which some call the 400 silent years. We have no prophetic writings from during that time frame. And it appears as if from a revelatory perspective, the heavens went silent. God just quit speaking more revelation. And the people were asked to just wait. And uh, the last person to write Malachi um, gives indication that the hundred years after they'd been in Babylon, they'd been in, they'd been in Babylon in captivity, and then a hundred years later, when he's writing, they've begun to to spiral down yet again and uh, uh, begun to fall away from the from the things of the Lord. And so Malachi was calling them back, as all the prophets seem to do. To walk and yieldedness to God's direction and to God's covenant and then silence and after 400 years things begin to stir and we have that accounted for us in the four gospels of what took place and each of the gospels is written for a different purpose to a different audience it took four of them to give us the complete picture that God wanted us to have and the book of matthew it 's most appropriate that it 's the first of the Gospels listed in our Bibles because um, in order because it follows directly on the very um, the very history we 've been following through the Old Testament because Matthew was written to the Jewish people, and it was written to identify for them who Jesus Christ. Is And you can pick this up very quickly in Matthew by the very first verse of the book. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And it just, he just points back to, uh, here's Christ, he's the son of David, that means he is the, the promised one who will be the great king. Which goes back to Abraham who is the father of the Israelite nation. And as we went through all of those Old Testament books, we were following that story as God was at work uh, uh, revealing his redemptive plan to mankind through the nation of Israel. And so uh, he begins with that. And I think it merits us noting in verse 17 as he gives this genealogy, which we're not going to read. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. We just spoke a lot as we were in those latter prophets about about the captivity in Babylon. There were those who ministered beforehand and warned them and said, "If you don't turn, you're going to be hauled off." They didn't turn; they got hauled off. Then you have prophets who prophesied while they were hauled off, and then you got prophets who prophesied when they returned. And so we just spent a lot of time uh, with writers, prophetic writers, who revolved around the time of the, their time in Babylon, and then from the captivity in Babylon until Christ are fourteen generations. Again, it gives us this very historical setting as to what is happening as Matthew begins to give us this account. And we read this Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was uh, betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, a significant point, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so Joseph is given this revelation by this angelic messenger that Mary has not been unfaithful to you. See, they have not yet had the wedding, but they are engaged. They are betrothed. And she's not been unfaithful to you during the time of your engagement. God is moving. God is doing something significant. And so Joseph, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. She is, it's all in a good place, but God is doing something magnificent. Now, of course, friends, the, the important aspect in that, that, that I think generally we understand, is this. It was necessary for Christ to be born, having, uh, from Mary, of course, but that God is the one who got that conception started simply by the power of the Holy Spirit so that he would come forth fully God, fully man. Because if it had been just Joseph or any natural combination of man and woman, you got a problem. (laughs) The problem is that child who you're anticipating to do something significant is dead and trespasses in sin like the rest of humanity. And so God in his magnificent wisdom by his own power saw to it that Mary was with child so that the one who came forth was fully human and fully God. The incarnation, the most magnificent reality in the history of mankind as far as what God was revealing about his redemptive work. And so in telling her this, he says... She will bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, which means the Lord is salvation or Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. I've been thinking about that this past week. Notice the simple revelation that Joseph is given. He will save his people from their sins. The revelation was not, Joseph, just hang on. Wait till you see what this guy does. The blind will see. The song just sang about it, right? The lame are going to walk. The dead will rise again. He's going he's to feed 5,000 with just a little bit of food the crowds are going to find him amazing with his teaching he's going to teach like nobody else joseph you got to see what's going to happen here joseph it's going to be amazing he didn't say to him joseph it's okay cuz this is the son of david who's going to sit on the throne in jerusalem is going to suppress all of your enemies your enemies like Rome presently and Greece before that and Persia before that and and Babylonia before that and the Assyrians before that who have oppressed you and all of those peoples that have fought over you for the last 400 years, he's going to put them all down and he's going to reign. And it is true, he will reign. He will reign from Jerusalem in perfect righteousness, but notice the angel didn't tell him about his role as king one day he said Joseph is going to be amazing but what did he say (laughs) one simple statement he will save his people from their sins wow so simple so profound The entire Old Testament, of course, which we've gone through, has been leading up to that very, that very place. I often think of it in these terms, that if you look at your Bible as a whole, the focal point is in the person of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the, on the cross at Calvary. That focal point is the place where he saved his people from their sins. Notice also that he doesn't say he's going to show his people how to live a holy life. He's going to show his people how to live victoriously. He's going to teach people how to live in love in joy and peace. Of course, he did those things, but that's not what the angel announced is my point. Because Jesus Christ alone, and you know this, of all the magnificent philosophers and religious leaders who have birthed great movements, they birthed them all on, here's what you should do. Here's what you need to do to reach this higher state. Here's what you need to do in order to find peace. Here's what you need to do to make the world a better place. Here's what you need to do for whatever it is they're claiming will happen. But Jesus Christ was different. He said, He will save His people from their sins. It is a work that He will do. And why does that matter? Because it's a work we can't do. No matter how good we think we can try and be, and no matter how, much, how many times we've sat in church how many times we've done those things which we think are the right things, none of them contend with the issue of our sin. And our sin is the problem. And we have no capacity to solve the problem of sin in our lives. We are guilty before God and as such, being just and holy God, He must bring judgment upon the guilt of our sin. It has to fall. For he's not just. The angel said. He will save his people from their sins. He will do the work. On our behalf. He will accomplish what needs. To be done. And how will he do this? This one. Who is fully God and fully man. Will live a sinless life. So that he can offer. A perfect sacrifice. That sacrifice which was being pictured repeatedly throughout all those Old Testament scriptures that we had been reading. Right? When you think about what you just know off the top of your head. Right? Adam and Eve in the garden. They sin. They cover themselves with fig leaves. God says, Sorry, not enough. Leaves aren't going to do it. Animals going to die. I'm going to give you animal skins. Why? That's picturing the death of Christ to cover their sin ultimately. Abraham taking his son Isaac up the hill. Is there a more dramatic picture of what Christ would do? As he has his son carrying the wood, which is going to be the place of sacrifice, his son carries the wood up the hill in order to die at God's direction. The son, the father yielding up his son of promise that's a picture of Jesus Christ carrying his cross at Golgotha where they're going to crucify him. Except that with Abraham the process having the picture being declared the process was interrupted. And it's Chuck who I give credit to for reminding me that the ram that was found in the thicket that uh That thicket, another word for that is thorns, right? That the lamb caught there had the thorns on his head. All of that, a picture looking forward to Christ in his coming. The temple sacrifices that were put in place, the day of atonement, all of it looking forward to one thing. The one who would come and save his people from their sins because they could not do it themselves. And, and isn't that what the, the, the history, the, all those years of history, we commented on that. All those years of history of watching them continually fail, continually fail, continually fail, and God warning them, and yet they failed again. What is it doing? It's proving man's an inability, his complete inability to save himself, his complete inability to make himself good, to make himself right. He can't do it. You can't do it. I can't do it. They couldn't do it. But Jesus Christ can transform us. That's why he came. To save his people from their sins. Living the perfect life. Went to the cross. Offered the perfect sacrifice. Having been pictured by all of those Old Testament pictures. So that God could then take the guilt of our sin. And place it on Christ at the cross. And take his righteousness. And see it as upon us because we are in Christ. So the righteous penalty has been paid and we come forth as being in Christ, righteous before God and we can have fellowship with him again. He will save their people, his people from their sins. No political statement about his rule as a king. No magnificent statement about the miracles he would perform a simple statement as to why he was here. Because mankind have an incredible need. Being sinful, every last one other than Christ who's been born. And that sin needs to be dealt with. So, friends, as we finish up that whole Old Testament stretch and all of that things we've been contemplating, and we finish it up here at the time of Christmas. When we've all enjoyed or are yet to enjoy a a later Christmas with family please understand that the very first announcement we have recorded for us in the New Testament of Christmas ties directly into what we call Easter and that's why he came what a magnificent truth is ours to Remember, in these elements and so here's how this is going to work and you've heard me say this before but here's how it works we're going to share these elements the, the, uh, the, the cracker type material the bread which reminds us of Christ's body which was broken the cup which reminds us of Christ's blood which was poured out in this process of saving his people from their sins May I just encourage you. Nobody's going to sit in judgment on anybody here. If this does not connect with you personally, perhaps this is the day it needs to. See, Jesus Christ died on our behalf. These elements represent that. And the only way we can enter into this saving process that the angel prophesied he will save his people from their sins is by humbling ourselves and admitting our need <laughs> Lord what you did on the cross as the only sinless one who's ever walked on earth who could offer that perfect sacrifice on the cross you are what I need because I got a problem of sin in my life and when we do that when we believe on him that he is able to save us we call out to him in need John says to as many as believed him to them he gave the power to become the children of God and God begins a transforming work in us then these elements make sense and feel free to partake of them but if that has never been an an experience in your life and I don't mean for experience sake I mean you know in reality I have resisted what Christ has done I've resisted the gift then I always like to ask this simple question as I'm asking you to let the elements pass go deep inside and ask God to reveal to you why am I really resisting this Lord why would I resist such love why would I resist the only sacrifice able to solve the problem of my sin why why would I resist the revelation that you have made for centuries as you prove beyond a doubt this is our only hope let God speak to you about that thing And then maybe today is the day that that burial will come down. And you'll say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you. For those of you who know Christ in a personal way, I invite you, this is a great time. This is a great time not only to give thanks for the fact that he came to save us from our sin, but it's also a great time to ask God to help us, strengthen us, reveal to us sin that needs some dealing with a great time to say yeah Lord there's something I'm hanging on to here and I'm asking you by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to give me a heart willing to release it to release it back to you to to let it go and to not walk in that darkness anymore because he came to save me from this Lord and this would be a great time to do some personal examining friends while the elements are being passed does that, does that sound good? it's a magnificent way for us to finish up the calendar year together for all we've been through and to see how this ties into Christmas wonderful and I praise God for this opportunity